1: Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, The General, Sean McClain. Welcome Welcome to Utopia. Hey, everybody, hope you had a great weekend. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Belatedly, it's the Utopia Football Podcast, recording on a Monday morning, uh, following Texans' rookie minicamp, following another signing that they made. And we've got some. Rockets that we want to get into as well because the James Harden watch is on. We'll take a little run through the schedule, too. We went through the schedule broad strokes last week. We're going to see if John and I are really on this 6-11 and 11 bandwagon or not, go rapid-fire game by game. So we'll do that as well. I'm Sean Pendergast, one-half of Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610, and I'm joined, as always, by the Hall of Famer, my good friend, senior Texans columnist at SportsRadio610.com and gallerysports.com. John McClain. John, did you have a nice weekend?
0: I had a great weekend. Uh, finally, got to see the movie Air. I thought it was
1: outstanding. Oh, I see Amy and I saw it uh, at iPic last Wednesday because it's half price bottles of wine on Wednesday at iPic. <laughs> Little plug for them there. So we we like the iPic. Uh, yeah, it was uh, John. I'd seen the ratings on Rotten Tomatoes for it. Uh, the everybody loves it, critics and fans alike. I'm with you. I like the music more than anything else. That was a nice oh, trip yeah. down 80s memory lane. That was
0: fun. The way it started with everything going on in 1984, everything going on in politics and music. And then I told Carol at one point, I said, man, I'd like to have the soundtrack to this. The music's great. I thought the writing, I had no idea that about George Raveling having Martin Luther King's, I have a dream speech and turning down $3 million offer for it. And it was just all kind of things in there I did not know. And uh, I, I just thought the screenwriter did a great job. And I thought uh, Ben Affleck did a tremendous job dress, directing. And Matt Damon was tremendous to Sonny Baccaro.
1: Yeah, he was great. John could you tell did he he obviously put on some weight for the role was that He a, was wearing a fat he was wearing a fat role Okay that's yeah I, I, I but I still think he put on weight cuz you can see in his face like he he had a you know a little he was not the normal Matt Damon but yeah the stomach I'm looking at like okay there's no way he he put on that much weight so he he had a he had a fake stomach on He had a fake stomach on kind of like I wear <laughs> Well people wonder these days John with all the weight that you've dropped or you just did you just try? You know, so that you could still fit into some of your clothes. Did you throw the fake stomach on? You actually, really, in real life, lost one hundred and forty <laughs> pounds, not just fifty yeah, pounds. I wish. I, I wish. know. I know. Um, no, I thought it was really good. I and we won't spend too much time on it, but I thought, as far as like MVPs of the movie, like as far as characters go, the I don't know the actress's name, but Jordan's mom was awesome. The the woman who played Michael Jordan's mother in the movie was great. I thought.
0: Uh My mind's gone blank. She's famous. And he insisted, uh, Jordan did, before he did agree to all that. Yeah. That uh, that she played the part. Damn, I can't remember.
1: I, uh, I'll look it up. You keep talking.
0: She, uh, I thought she was outstanding. She got the most praise from everybody. I like the fact they didn't have Jordan in it. I mean, he was in it. He was in scenes, but you didn't hear him talking. I like that. And they said it was because... He just so well-known. People would look at him and go, that's not Michael Jordan. Yeah. So I liked the way they decided to do it. I thought Ben Affleck did a good job playing Phil Knight. Jason Bateman did a good job. Yeah. Unsung hero of everything was that shoe designer in the basement. I can't remember his name. He designed it, and he also came up with the silhouette logo of Jordan that's on every Jordan shoe. But he was the unsung hero.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to find that guy. Uh, Viola Davis is Viola the woman. Davis, of
0: course. Yeah,
1: is. Is the woman. She's one played. of the
0: greatest American actresses, and I'll guarantee you she'll get nominated
1: for an Oscar. She was great. Yeah, she was great. Really good movie. So two thumbs up from the Utopia Football Podcast on the movie Air. Go see it, and uh, you don't need half price wine to see it. Some movies you need to have the half price wine just to get through it. Air is good uh, with or without alcohol. Um, all right, John. Texans rookie minicamp, obviously, you know, we're there 20, 30 minutes at the outset of it, just watching a lot of warm ups and skeleton drills and things like that. But did you walk away with any overall overriding impressions of just the vibe around it or the vibe around the team or CJ Stroud's vibe of actually having a real future franchise quarterback here? What were your thoughts or your takeaways from rookie minicamp?
0: There was a vibe and uh, you were there. I thought, there was a lot of media. There was media there that I have not seen before. And I think that's the way it's going to be a training camp uh, because you'll get more outlets from Texas coming in and people are excited about the Texans. They're not unrealistic. You know, they're excited because they haven't had a lot to be excited for. And it starts with Stroud. Anytime you take a quarterback high, people are going to be pumped when you take him second in franchise history. To David Carr, they're going to be pumped. And even the media. There's a buzz in the media. And uh I wish Stroud had been made available. Nick Casario didn't didn't let him be available. Only Will Anderson Jr. and Juice Scruggs, their second round pick, who's going to be the center. So um I can't wait now for OTAs that'll be next week.
1: Yeah. I John, I thought the number, the sheer number of people there, both in the media and on the field. I mean, it, you remember Nick Casario's first rookie minicamp, there were like less than 10 guys there because they only, or, you know, 10 rookies, I mean, they had five drafted rookies. And remember they had a really small undrafted signing class that year. They only signed like three or four guys off the street that year. Um, there were a ton of bodies there, both in the media, camera people, players, coaches, like there was a definite palpable buzz there. Um, I thought, for the most part, like to me, my big takeaway was, okay, it started. This is starting to feel normal again. You know what I mean? Like, okay, there's a young quarterback. People are excited about. There's actual names on the backs of the jersey. Oh, that's kind of nice. We're not getting a roster with no numbers on it. I know you didn't like the fact that they didn't make Stroud available. So that's maybe one thing that still feels abnormal, if you will. But but just the 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 players seem really excited to be Houston Texans that that did that, that, that meet with the media. You know, Will Anderson. and, Juice Scruggs, super excited. Um, There's no Jack Easterby there, uh, which I think helps normalize a lot of things. He's not lurking around at all, you know, in that weird Jack Easterby fashion. Um, And I think the other (laughs) thing, too, the other thing, too, John, the two highest drafted rookies, unlike last year when Stingley and Kenyon Green are coming in and they're rehabbing injuries, you know, Stroud and Will Anderson are out there doing everything. So even though it wasn't open to the fans, it was just open to us. That got me excited, and my excitement gets conveyed through the radio, and hopefully gets Texan fans excited because I think they're—I don't think they're going to be a great football team, but I think there's a lot of reasons to to get pretty pumped up about 2023.
0: And your excitement gets uh, conveyed through the Utopia Football Podcast.
1: Amen, brother. Yes. Um,
0: uh, last year, Stingley was baby because of his foot injury. Anderson is full bore. And I think Anderson, because he was a great player for three years, Stingley was a great player as a redshirt freshman. And I think that was what, like, what year did they – 2019. Yeah, 19. 2019. So uh, Anderson hit the ground running. And the fact they traded up to get him, and everybody says – I thought saw a thing the other day with ESPN, all their experts were talking about offensive and defensive rookie of the years, and the uh, runaway winners – were B. John Robinson and Will Anderson Jr. So the fact they've got a guy who could give them double-digit sacks for the first time since 2018 when J.J.
1: Watt had
0: 16, that is a big deal.
1: Yeah, Uh, no doubt. No doubt about that. Um, uh, The Texans signed Shaquille Griffin over the weekend, John. One year, $4.5 bucks. What do you think of the signing?
0: He's just going to be another backup. They've got – they're, I think um, they got a lot of veteran corners, and uh, can he play safety too?
1: I don't. Th- I think he can play inside and outside a corner. I don't know that he that, they, that he's playing safety. Although uh, Seth was giving his scouting report today and said he's probably better in zone than in man, so who knows?
0: Well, it doesn't seem like that's going to be fit, but he's a veteran. He's going to be competing with veterans. In a perfect world, their three corners are going to be Derek Stingley. Junior, uh, uh who's the slot corner?
1: Well, Steve Nelson, Desmond, Desmond King slot, Steve Nelson on the outside Steven, on the other yeah, side. Yeah, Steven Nelson's the other side.
0: But you need backups. You got Tavier Thomas. Now, they not all these guys may make the team, but to me, they, they're they pretty set at cornerback. Yeah. It's going to be a tough nut to crack if you want to get in. I think they need more depth and safety.
1: Uh, Yeah, I would agree with that. I like the top two guys in Petrie and Ward, but uh, that'll be an interesting battle at training camp to see who the third and fourth. I think they brought back MJ Stewart. They've got some guys they brought back. Jonathan Owens signed with the Packers yesterday. I guess the sign that Jonathan Owens was going to be gone was when they gave his number 36 to uh, Brandon Hill, Brandon Hill, the uh, seventh round pick before Owens had signed anywhere else. That's usually a sign that they're not bringing you back when they give your number away and you're still a free agent. Um. So no Simone Biles at camp this year, John. We'll miss those you know, clicks.
0: I'm sure she'd be welcome if she wanted to come, but I doubt we're going to be seeing her. And thing is, I see I see people saying, "Well, Jonathan Owens left the Texans for the Packers." Uh, no, he didn't leave the pack Pe- Texans. He was shown the door.
1: Right, which just pointed out. He started all 17 games last year. That's just wild, and he's a good backup. Yep absolutely and a good guy too as well great great guy yep yep um all right john i've got a few other things i want to get to including james harden but i just want to put a bow on the texans here you and i i think are both of the, about that 6 win range right now for the texans before getting a you know before training camp gets here my my middle of may prediction right now is 6 and 11 which it was last year at this time too where are you right now on a overall prediction for the texans
0: i I'm, I'm not going to change it. I haven't gone over the schedule picking a win and a loss like I did every year at the Chronicle, but uh, uh, I still think if they could win six, yeah, that people should be happy with the improvement. Now, last year, right now they have the third easiest schedule in the NFL uh, based on last year's opponents' records. Last year they lost six one-score games by an average of five point eight points and that was playing nfc east and afc west and then they had four more games that they were within a touchdown in the fourth quarter and lost by one score because they just didn't have the talent so playing the schedule they're playing you know it's got to be taken into consideration but you know if they won seven or eight it wouldn't surprise me but the problem is when you're playing a rookie quarterback generally Unless you got a lot of talent around him, you're not going to win a lot of games. Yeah, uh, you know uh, Russell Wilson did one, Andrew Luck, RG three, uh, uh, Dak Prescott. They all had, were winners as rookies, but you got to have a lot of talent around them.
1: Yeah, they they had more. All those teams, the Seahawks and the Colts and the <laughs> the Cowboys, all had more talent around. Although the Cowboys went, I think five, four and twelve, or five and eleven the year before. Dak got there. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I, the, the one thing I would say, John, as far as like determining the strength of the schedule, and this happens every year because teams are rarely the same thing that they were the year before. I, the only thing I would say about that, with it being the thirtieth toughest schedule based on last year's records, New York, the the Jets are going to be a completely different team with Aaron Rodgers as their quarterback. Although they were seven and ten last year, they weren't horrible. I think it's safe to say Denver has a chance to be a major upgrade this year with Sean Payton as the head coach. If he can get Russell Wilson turned around. And unfortunately they're not catching the Baltimore team that slumped down end of the year last year to sneaking into the playoffs. They're catching them week one. They're catching what is going to probably look more like a 12 win Baltimore team with a healthy Lamar Jackson. than the one that went, I guess what nine and eight last year, Baltimore went something like that. Um, So you know these things are never perfect, but I wanted to see John. I wanted I wanted to do the John McClain rapid fire gut feel record because you feel like maybe six wins right now is about what you're feeling. I just wanted to rapid fire these games win loss with you gut feel and then see what the record is when w- at the uh, at the end here. So
0: I, I would have picked them to lose to Baltimore and the Jets anyway because they're on yep. the road, and I would think that they would beat Denver.
1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Okay, well, let's do this rapid fire style, John. Then we'll get okay. to a couple other topics. Um, at Baltimore. Loss. Loss. Okay. Home for Indianapolis. When? At Jacksonville. Loss. Okay. And then Pittsburgh week four is at home. Oh boy. Loss. Loss. So they're one and three through the first quarter of the season. All right, now we get into the quarter of the season. That's all. That's all NFC South at Atlanta. Uh, Loss. Home for New Orleans. Win. Okay, and then the bye week. So you have them two and four going into the bye week. They yep. come out of the bye week and they go to Carolina to play Bryce Young. Loss. Home for Tampa Bay. Win. Okay, so eight games into the season, you got them at three and five. Nine games left. At Cincinnati. Loss. Home, Arizona. Win. Home, Jacksonville. Win. Ooh, I like it. Home, Denver. Win. So you got You got them sweeping those three straight home games, John. Atlanta, yep. Jacksonville, and Denver. All right, then it's off to New York to play the Jets. Uh, loss. Loss. Okay, I, I should have stopped it after 12 games. So you had them at three and five. Through eight games, you had them at six and let's see. No, yeah, three and five through eight games. So you had them at uh, six and six. So you have them at 500 going into the home stretch, six and six. Uh, let's do the home stretch. So J- Jets a loss. That's six and seven. Week 15 at Tennessee. Loss. So that's six and eight. Home Cleveland, Christmas Eve. Loss. Six and nine. Home Tennessee. New Year's when, Eve, win, and then home or I'm sorry, at Indianapolis, week eighteen, lost. So I have them win in seven games, seven and ten. Yep. Okay, I think they take that. Yeah, seven and ten, and you have a stretch there starting with New Orleans in week six, where they actually go five and two over the middle portion of the season. Obviously, taking advantage of a lot of home cooking. They're fi- five of the <laughs> they're five and zero oh at home and zero oh and two on the road in that stretch.
0: I'm looking at that. There's other games they can win. Absolutely. Opinion. Yeah. I don't want to get carried away and say they're going to win nine games, but, man, that schedule is not tough. Once, Other than those three great quarterbacks on the road, Yep, uh, they don't play – I don't think they play a great quarterback. And by the end of the year, Will Levis is going to be playing. Yeah. For the Titans, they may see him
1: twice. Yep. They sure could. They sure could. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> – that is the one thing even these bad versions of the Texans John the one thing they've been able to do win at Tennessee. <laughs>
0: they've done it. They have, and they wanted Jacksonville, yeah. won an Indy. I think that Cleveland they got beat last year when Sean Watson was terrible. And he's not going to be terrible this year, so I expect them on Christmas Eve to win, but man, that'd be a great Christmas present. Wouldn't it, it
1: sure would. Well John, if they're but if they're 6 and 6 through 12 games, D'Amico's going to be getting some talk for coach of the year if the Texans are 6-6 six and six through 12 games. He, he, won't, win it. he won't win it because it'll go to a, t- a team that's actually probably going to make the postseason. But that would, John, 6-6 six and six would fulfill one of my criteria for are they making progress, which is 12 games in, 6-6 six and six would absolutely get them on the right-hand side of the screen on the playoff picture graphic in the hunt. It would have those them in the last, hunt.
0: Those last three games at the Titans host the Browns and uh, uh, host, host the Titans and then uh, winning in Indy, they won in Indy last year, they're so all doable, man. Maybe Girl, they finish with a flourish and win that'd be Ten great. Games, oh,
1: from your lips to God's ears, John McClain, that would be amazing. <laughs> um, what do you think of Matt Ryan going into broadcasting? I think he'll be great, he's such a class act. He
0: says his career's not over. Well, you know what? Teams last year were so desperate. They were they were calling Andrew Luck. They were calling other retired quarterbacks. And as guys get hurt, I'll guarantee
1: you Matt Ryan will come out of the booth. Uh yeah, well the the you know, he made it clear he's not retiring in his tweet. Did you see Florio's speculation on that? That he doesn't want to leave any room for he doesn't want to leave any room for the Colts to come after him for the twelve million bucks they still owe him. I guess if he retires then <laughs> they could if he retires then He's afraid that the Colts could dig their heels in on giving, because they still owe him $12 million, the Colts. still yeah that's part of his deal so um yeah i he's think he'll... A great,
0: uh, he's a great guy sean i hope that he does a great job on tv
1: yeah i think he will be better john a quick impromptu for real or fugazi matt ryan will be better than tony romo for real or fugazi
0: oh boy i i'm gonna say fugazi okay romo was really good till last season
1: yeah he fell off big time this past year and everybody noticed it Somebody said
0: maybe he didn't work as hard once he got the big bucks. I don't know what the reason was. Yeah, But you don't see many going from such praise to such criticism as Romo got.
1: Nope, nope. Um, John, I did a poll on Twitter yesterday. Closes shortly. I think I saw you retweeted I, this I, morning.
0: I retweeted it and I voted.
1: Uh, well, you know, I don't often ask people um, what they vote because it's rude to do that. But this is not an election. This is a Twitter poll. So what was your vote, John, for um, for Rocket fans? Would you like James Harden to return here, assuming the contract is a reasonable market contract? Would you like James Harden to return to the Houston Rockets? Absolutely
0: not. I wouldn't let him close to the, to the – arena because number one, he did another disappearing act in one of the biggest games of his career. Nine points. Joel Embiid was awful too. Also a disappearing act. I think the two of them scored five points in the second half and beat had two in the second half. Don't you know, they're just getting killed in Philadelphia oh, yeah. and they deserve it. I wouldn't want James Harden with all his party and strip club appearances and all that around all those young guys that the Rockets are trying to create the kind of culture, winning culture with character. Now, if they win the lottery and they're going to get Victor Wimbanyama, I would not want him close to Victor Wimbanyama. And uh, so I just wouldn't do it. I just would not do it. They got just They just don't need him around there.
1: What do you think? I, well, I think I, I I don't feel if if they don't bring him here, I'm fine with that. The only thing I would say as a counter argument is that this team needs to start winning basketball games. They can't have another year where they're winning 18 or 20 or 21 games like they have the last three years. They've got to start winning. There's no incentive to lose anymore. Oklahoma City controls all their first round picks for however long. So it's not like the last couple of years where the Rockets get to keep their pick and it's you know the lottery maybe there's some protections on the picks but I think just culturally they need to start winning otherwise you become one of those teams that's just infected with losing Harden does they he makes them a better basketball team there's no question about that I know he's not the same James Harden that he was when he was here the first time he looked his age at times in the postseason he also looked like 2018 James at times in the postseason too he had a a couple 40-plus point games against the Celtics in that series. I'm not a James apologist or anything like that, John, but I I can understand an argument for bringing him back here. Surely, if he's up for being the, the setup guy that he was in Philadelphia, he can't be the James Harden that's going out trying to get 35 every night that he was a few years ago. He needs to be the James Harden that's leading the league in assists and setting guys up with open jump shots. He's really, really good at that. But I'm with you on the 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 off-the-court stuff and the lead-by-example stuff that James is far from a leader-by-example, I think, and the concern there with the young guys. I That's the balancing act because I don't know what the other avenues are right now. Short of Wimbayama becoming a Rocket and him being the revelation everybody thinks he's going to be, if they don't win the lottery, I'm not sure what the path is to getting into like the play-in game conversation this year. Which to me is what they should be aspiring to in Jalen Green's third year. Is hey, let's be in the conversation to play in some of those play-in games that that get you into the back end of the playoffs. I I don't know what the avenue is for that. I'm guessing there are other avenues when you have 60 million in cap space like they do. But to me, undoubtedly, Harden makes them. You know, their 21 win team last year. Harden gets you into the mid thirties easily and wins, in my opinion. He's still that good a player. During regular season, the playoff flameouts are an issue. I don't think this is a team who's worried about what Game Sevens in the conference semifinals look like at this stage of their rebuild, though. Uh,
0: if if Emi and Udoka, the new coach, doesn't want him, I would not force him down his throat.
1: I agree with that.
0: And other things about Harden, he wanted Chris Paul. Then he wanted Chris Paul gone. He wanted he wanted Westbrook. then he wanted Westbrook. God, God, worked on the court and, uh he just i i just never the word winner will never be associated with james harden and No, doka doesn't want him don't make him take him yeah
1: i i do think they need i do think they need some veterans on this team like that caps they got to go spend that cap space and bring some guys in it, it can't be a room full of 21-year-olds like it's been. Well, it hasn't been that the last couple of years. It's been a room full of 20-year-olds and 19-year-olds. I
0: read a Gordon this year, and Gordon was their veteran player.
1: Yeah, well, and, and I don't even know that EG was the type of veteran that you need. He He looked like every press conference, he looked like a prisoner in a propaganda video or something. He looked like he wanted out of here in the worst possible way. It's going to be interesting, John. It's a, tomorrow night's a big night for sports in this town with the lottery. Like, this is... You know, that lottery is going to determine the trajectory of one of these NBA teams tomorrow, and the Rockets could be one of them. Like, if they, if the Rockets are able to win this lottery, even get the second pick, because this Scoot Henderson kid, everybody seems to love the point guard. Um, you know, this, this is one of the most, I don't think it's a stretch to say tomorrow night's one of the most important nights in Rockets history with this lottery. Oh, absolutely.
0: If, if if they're not going to get Wimbanyama, then I hope he goes to the Spurs. I don't want to see him go to the Pistons. And I'd like to keep him in Texas because we get to see him a lot, being in the same division. And Henderson is supposed to be a great player, and they could use him. And at some, we're going to find out how much of it was coaching, how yeah. much was Silas not being head coach, and uh, doug has only been head coach for one season, right?
1: Yeah, correct. An
0: assistant all those years, but I'm excited about the Rockets. I think that uh, they got a lot to look forward to, and. I think, as I've always used the analogy, when you have too many young players, it's too much green. Too much green in a salad, it's not a good salad.
1: Yep. <laughs> yes. You and I like pasta in our salads. Some good dressings. Although, uh, so to uh, com people. All right. Yeah. Um, so uh yeah, I'm with you. And it's a good thing they got Udoka when they did, John. There's some good jobs that are opening up in the NBA since you and I last talked on this podcast.
0: I listened to a lot of national and read a lot of national people, and the Udoka hiring met with universal approval from a basketball standpoint. Mm. Some people still skeptical about what happened to him with Boston, with the re- relationship that caused him to get fired. But when it comes to coaching, people respect
1: the heck out Big of him. Big time big time all right John before we wrap up um you uh one of your good friends our good friends in the media business uh announced his retirement right after practice on Friday how about Mark Berman doing a Friday news dump on himself uh yeah. dump dump the news of his retirement on a Friday afternoon when I would I, I would say John that it's in the media realm the retirement of Mark Berman is among the most significant that we've that we've seen ever in the city. I think he's, he's on that Mount Rushmore media members in this city.
0: He's been, he, uh, they had to wait till they told everybody at KRIV that he's retiring. Then he put out a tweet. And of course there's Richard justice did a great column on him on, uh, GallerySports.com. Um, uh, Chris at, uh, um, uh, the sports map, uh, he did a great column on him and, um, He's gotten a lot of comments from people who have uh, wished him well, and uh, there's no, there's, and he's embarrassed about all of it. He's been one of my closest friends for over forty years. He started off at Kick Radio while he was at U of H, and then he he spent the last thirty-seven years at K R I V as a sportscaster. And I've never seen a harder worker or a better reporter who uh, uh, either print or broadcast. And all the competition around town will be popping champagne corks because they don't have to get beat by him on stories anymore. And his last day is June twelfth. I'm gonna write a column about him on June twelfth. And uh, and so it's a it's a tough loss. And I think uh, there'll be a lot of honors coming to his way. I'm pretty sure he'll be the second person on the John McClain Wall of Fame in the, the press box. And, NRG Stadium, and it's well deserved.
1: That feels like a given. I think that that's that was immediately the thought that went into my head was that he would he would wind up uh, he would wind up on there. You, John, who do you think fills that uh, breaking news void? That's undoubtedly left behind. I mean, you've broken your fair share of, of stories, obviously, in the Texans realm of things. But Mark was breaking stories: Texans, Astros, Rockets, college. Like like he was. He was the, like the man when it came to breaking news across every, you know, every barrier there. Like, what what do you think happens with that? There's you know, clearly there's still going to be news to be broken. Who do you think the breaking news Maven becomes in town here? There won't be anybody. Yeah.
0: There's nobody capable of doing what he did. A lot of it had to be with uh, his relentless work ethic, and he did a lot of stuff on local kids. TSU was always so appreciative in Prairie View because he'd come out there and do stories on them he would go to high school kids house get to know the parents time they got in the nfl the nba they'd oh well i remember mark berman yeah you've been with us all along and uh i that all mark ever cared about was trying to break news mm-hmm. that's what he was all about from the moment i met him and i don't know what he's going to do in, reti- in re- retirement because he works 24 7 i know he'll spend it with his wife and his son, his grandson, and his daughter Jessica, she's a producer at Fox, so she's a workaholic too.
1: Mm. Well, congratulations to him. He is uh, he he is one of a kind, no doubt about that. And uh, he, he'll be missed on the on the uh, on the media scene, but hopefully he uh, he uh, continues to show his face from time to time uh, around the events and whatnot. But uh, big congrats to to Mark Berman. It, 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 Texans practice this weekend, John. The thing. Everybody was asking him, so are you retired or is this a McLean retirement? That's what people kept asking. Him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, when I was retired, I planned to retire and then Mattress might Matt call me. And you never know. Uh, Berman, my, he, I know he's planning to retire, but you never know who might call.
1: Dude, I think Matt feels like a guy who'd like all those scoops on his website. <laughs> <laughs> uh speaking of which john gallery and sportsradio 610.com uh what do you got going on on those platforms these days
0: i've got a column on sports radio 610 it was posted this morning on the relationship that juice grugs the new center and cj stroud are working so hard to build because there's a good chance that both of them two rookies will be starting if not by this at the start of the season soon afterward and that relationship is so important And I'm working on one that will go on Gallery Sports today about uh, Will Anderson and how fired up he was at the rookie minicamp, and he's so pumped about OTAs, which start next week.
1: Which we expect that you'll get your C.J. Stroud wish at OTAs, right, John?
0: Yep, they have told us we'll finally get to talk to C.J. Stroud. Every other rookie quarterback spoke, but nope, the Texans just didn't do
1: it. Okay. Well, we'll, uh, we, we anxiously await that. Yeah. OTAs next week, right? They start next week, week of the, yep. week of the 22nd. I
0: yeah. I don't think we get to interview them until after that, but that's, right. I think they have two before the media uh, can come up okay. and watch and uh, do interviews.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So there you go. All right. Uh, John, I enjoyed it as always. I did too, Sean.
0: Thank you very much. All
1: right. Good stuff. Good stuff from the general, the Hall of Famer, John McClain. Big thanks to Figgy Fig. For getting this podcast out to you guys uh without fail. Every time gets it out to you guys, click that subscribe button. Stick with us. It's gonna be a fun summer as you can tell. We're mixing in other topics as we hit uh we'll we'll hit that football lull. It's uh, I say football lull. <laughs> last year when there was there's a football, never a lull. Yeah, last year when there was a football lull is when a bunch of news started breaking in June and July. I forget what it was, but I'm like, all right, there's never a downtime with football. But we've got you covered on Astros and Rockets, and uh, we'll see what happens in the lottery tomorrow night too. Uh, for your Houston Rockets. But again, big thanks to Figgy Fig and all of you for listening. For the Hall of Famer, John McClain, I'm Sean Pendergast. We are out of time, but we will see you Wednesday. Mailbag episode, H-O-U, mailbag at gmail.com. Send us your questions, H-O-U, mailbag at com. We will see you Wednesday for that episode. Have a great day, everybody.